And one of the first acts of Jesus Christ when he entered the city of Jerusalem on what we normally refer to as Palm Sunday was to cleanse the temple. And you'll recall that in cleansing the temple, he overturned the tables and, and, and the chairs of the, of the vendors, of the people who were there in the temple grounds selling those animals that would be required for the Passover feast, uh, namely sheep and, from what I understand, some goats as well. But why was it Jesus Christ stopped? It was quite the commotion, you can imagine. How did Jesus Christ get away a second time with cleansing the temple? The Gospel of John tells us that uh, in the first year of his ministry, he did likewise. And now, at the end of his ministry, he cleanses the temple again. Well, the scriptures tell us that he got away with it because the common people protected him. If you read in Mark chapter eleven eighteen, it reads this way. The crowd was astonished at his teaching. And Luke 19, 48 reads this. All the people were hanging on his words. They were simply spellbound. And Jesus Christ did indeed overturn tables, sending valuable coins to the ground. You can imagine what confusion that must have caused as coins scatter in the ground and people picking up what's not theirs and vendors chasing after what they believe they worked so hard to earn. Turning over tables and turning over cages, loosening leashes and opening gates. Imagine the confusion. Thousands of people there at the temple and Christ made a whip out of ropes. And he used that whip to chastise those money-hungry vendors. Those vendors who accused him saying, Hey, you cannot turn over our tables. And he said, You turned the temple of God into a den of thieves. He called these vendors robbers. Men who were exploiting the public turning the temple into a bazaar. And I would imagine that the public that had come there with the intent of buying these animals who had not brought their own from home were rather disappointed because they needed that overpriced animal as their Passover sacrifice. This was far worse than getting to the Christmas tree lot and finding out that they're sold out. This was far worse than getting to the supermarket and realizing there are no more turkeys for Thanksgiving dinner. This was not only their dinner for the evening as they celebrated as a family the Passover meal, but rather it was a means by which their sins would be temporarily atoned for all the sins of this past year would be placed on hold God would not judge them he would allow his judgment to linger for later 
as they atoned for their sins through these animals. 365 days of forgiveness would rest on this Passover lamb's head. And now there were none for them. And yet nobody stopped Jesus Christ. The temple police saw him. The temple leaders, the priests, watched. The Roman soldiers who stood at the Atonian Tower on the east side of the temple, they were watching as well, and yet nobody stopped them. Why couldn't they stop this peasant carpenter from Galilee? They did want to stop him. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 21 verse 46 says that they were seeking to arrest him. But they didn't. Luke chapter 19 verse 47 reads, The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. The reason they did not arrest Jesus, the reason they did not even try to stop him, much less destroy him, is because of the people's reaction to Jesus Christ. Matthew 21, 46 reads this way. And they feared the crowds because the crowds held him to be a prophet. Luke 19, 47 tells us that they did not find anything they could do to Jesus. For all the people were hanging on his words. Mark writes in chapter 12, 37. And the great crowds heard him gladly. His words made great sense. He was speaking truth to them. He was speaking with authority like no one else had ever taught them before. His teaching allowed for them to see themselves for who they really were. His teachings gave them, gave them hope. They knew in their conscience that there was something wrong with merchandising the things of God in the house of God. They figured this is just the way it is, but they knew it was wrong. It was a commercial money-making business. And what Jesus Christ was teaching them resonated in their souls. He was authentic. Indeed, Christ was the real thing, and they saw it. And it brought them a great deal of gladness as they listened to him. Now, notice something I find extremely interesting. Notice that in all these verses that I read to you, it does not say that the miracles of Jesus Christ persuaded them. No. It says that it was the very words of Christ that persuaded them. There was pleasure in listening to what Christ had to say. These words were the words of truth. The very truths that their souls were craving These were the words of life that they needed. Words about eternal things. These were not religious teachings, temporary things. No, he spoke of grace. He spoke of forgiveness. He spoke of hope. He spoke of how to enter the kingdom of God. These were the things they longed to hear. The things they longed to know. Who would dare stop the one who spoke words of life? Who would dare try to stop the one who spoke words of life? Well, only those who prefer their own way, even if it means death. 
But on Thursday, on that Thursday evening, when the adoring crowds were no longer near, while Jesus Christ prayed up high in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, the temple police and the religious leaders from the temple, the very community leaders who believed that they were called by God, they came up the mountain and they arrested Jesus Christ. They brought swords and clubs just in case to arrest Christ. Now Jesus Christ was not exactly alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. Those who knew him best were there with him, his 11 disciples, and a few others. At first, notice that they were willing to fight for him. They were determined, we will not let this happen to you. But then suddenly, the words of Jesus Christ were no longer so engrossing. They were no longer so determined. And their countenance and their determination began to change when there was threat on their lives. When association with Jesus Christ meant danger to them. I find it amazing that not even the miracle of Jesus Christ right there at that moment in restoring the ear of Malchus back to his head convinced them to stay. You'll recall Peter brought a sword with him. And he pulled out his sword and he swung it at the high priest's servant, a man by the name of Malchus. And I imagine that Malchus must have ducked. And the sword hit on the right ear of Malchus. And in my eyes, I picture Malchus kneeling on the ground, holding his face. And Jesus Christ says, Peter, put away your sword. And he picks up that ear and he restores it to the head of Malchus. And still, they were not convinced to defend Christ. As Christ spoke, the crowd that came to arrest him, they fell on their backs and got back up. And yet the disciples were not convinced. At this point, not even the words of Jesus Christ were convincing to them. You'll recall what Christ said. He said, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels to rescue me? 12 legions. Each legion was about five, 6,000 soldiers. So we're talking about five, 6,000 angels per disciple and then for Christ. We're talking about 60,000 angels. All he had to do is request it. And still, the disciples were afraid. They made a great error when they stopped believing in the words and in the power of Jesus Christ in the face of danger. This is when the loyalty of the disciples began to wane. Fear overcame them. They feared man more than they feared God. And their loyalty was replaced with self-interest. Truth was replaced with self-preservation. And Mark 14, 50 reads, And then they deserted him and fled. 
there was one young man who stayed behind, who lingered close behind, a young man by the name of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark 14 tells us this. It says, this young man who had been following Jesus was wearing a linen cloth. And this was a fine linen, loose garment often worn at night. And the guards took hold of him and it says, but he pulled free of the linen cloth and he ran away naked. Now not only was he afraid, but he was humiliated. But he, this young man, was the one who stuck it out the longest. But he too fled. I think that we can so often be like the people around us. Faithful and determined when everybody else is faithful and determined. But fearful and vacillating when everybody else is fearful and vacillating. My friends, when it comes to faith in Christ, our faith must rise over and above our circumstances and rest in who Christ is and never in the events that surround us. And so Christ was taken to meet his death. You'll recall that there were a series of phony trials, phony hearings, with the high priest and then Pontius Pilate, the high priest and Pontius Pilate. And in the midst of all that, there was a beating. He was spat on. They yanked at his beard. They mocked him. They put a fake cape over his shoulders and then they crowned him with thorns that pierced through his brows. And he said not a word in defense and then of course there was the flogging the flogging that tore open his back and disfigured him so that he was unrecognizable and he bled and he suffered and then he was forced to carry his own cross and make his way to Golgotha, the place of the skulls, where murderers and thieves were crucified. In his condition, he was not able to carry the cross himself, and so Joseph was called to do it instead. And there he was crucified, next to common criminals, and for six excruciating hours, from nine o'clock in the morning to three in the afternoon, he hung there on a the cross. His mother watched from below and his disciples from afar. And there Christ suffered for our sins. Jesus Christ wasn't wrestling only with the agony of the cross, but he also suffered with the reality that he was forgotten, that he was abandoned, that he was not defended by his own. He also wrestled along with that bloody sweat with principalities and powers of darkness the very sin that wreaked havoc in this world 
was now wreaking havoc in his. As the one who knew no sin now became sin on our behalf. He took our place. He suffered for your sake. By his stripes, you are healed. And at noon, the skies grew pitch black. The earth quaked. The temple curtain was torn in two. And the guards keeping watch at the foot of the cross concluded, this truly was the Son of God. Today he continues to be the Son of God. And he calls on each one of us to follow him and become children of God. Christ can clean your soul even as he was determined to clean the temple. He is able to rid your soul of blame, of shame, and of guilt. And he calls you to come to him and be cleansed. There's no exception. Your sin is not greater than his grace your sin is not greater than his blood shed for you and he says come come Let's read again together from the scriptures. I'll read the white print and you read the yellow. Let's stand together. <clears throat> 